chance on here. Pulisic picks up the loose ball and he could be in. Christian Pulisic for Chelsea, 1-0! Quick thinking by Alisson, and if Salah could lift it, still Salah, Salah! The Ghost Goal Podcast. Arsenal will look to turn around a porous start to the season as they travel up to Manchester to face champions Manchester City. Chelsea will head to Liverpool after the aforementioned porous result for Arsenal to see if they can continue their good form against Liverpool. And Manchester United will travel to Wolves after they slipped up against Southampton last weekend. I'm Alex here with Javier looking to preview this weekend's Premier League games. <coughs> We're fresh uh, off the back. No, no, no coughing. No coughing. I, I thought I told you to, to hang in there, Javier. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, we we had a very entertaining uh, weekend last weekend. Uh, the, the Ghost Goal Bowl obviously happened. Uh, we previewed that. Uh, I got the, exul- the result exactly right. And Javier, before I bring you in, I just want to have you and the listeners listen to something real quick. So, and if you don't, and you stay with the sort of like slow realization, and I like think they that that's going to be the Wenger, other thing is like we, we only have the Premier League and the FA Cup to worry about this season. So, like, I think you're going to see an improvement from Arsenal in the league, and we're definitely going to finish above what we did last season. And I think we're going to make that push, push the t- that the, whatever whoever the fourth place team is, we're going to push them till the end. And I'm not going to make the prediction now, but don't be surprised in December from calling us for top four. Don't be surprised in December if I'm calling us for top four. <laughs> two games oh, in, God, zero Alex. points, zero right, goals scored. Two games. Two you need games. To calm down over there. Yeah, so Javier, I'm giving you one last opportunity to take it back and say you were dumb. Okay, we're not getting top four this season. <laughs> That's a fact. I have us finishing six, Alex. All right, that we could put, we could still push teams. Javier, you can't just you can't just you can't just forget four. when I just replayed it when you said don't be surprised in December if I'm calling us for top four. That hey, was like two weeks we ago, by December. the way. Let's see that was two weeks ago. This wasn't like this is we're not in the middle of the season. That was two weeks ago. There's a long time till December. Okay, maybe I'm gonna be we're gonna be near the relegation zone and I'll be crying and screaming about Arteta, but hopefully not. That was very impressive, Alex. Though I like that. You need to do that more often. Yeah, you know, uh, just, what do you call it? What's the word for it? Uh, ambush you. <laughs> yeah, just, just bring up a if little trap. Hey, if you, if you want hey, to ambush me, feel, Wait a minute, you feel welcome to. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, I like just, it. I like just timestamp it so I can find the file later and, you know, have it, you know, melded into the pod real nice like I'm going to have on this one. So, obviously, we are talking about, only only two and a half minutes into this podcast, we're talking about the Chelsea 2 Arsenal nil results last Sunday at the Emirates, uh, I predicted it spot on. I almost went two one, but then I thought to myself, "No, back your defense. You're playing Stupid really well." Stupid ass Rob Holding just fucking put an easy header in the top corner wide, dude. Should have been two one. 
You guys didn't kill us off. You guys obviously outplayed us. We'll, You're a better. We'll get, we'll get to the Chelsea part of this. We'll get to the Chelsea part of this. But right now, I do want to focus on the Arsenal side because you guys are following up that game at home to open your season with a full stadium of fans for the first time in a year and a half. Uh, you're following that up uh, against the champions of England this this weekend. Saturday morning, seven thirty starts us off for the weekend. Uh, yeah, you guys had a you know a turnaround result against West Brom today, where you, you scored six and put their B team to the sword, and Aubameyang scored a hat trick and everything like that. But how confident are you that you can actually make turn that form into something meaningful in the league? and get something against Manchester City because I'm certainly not. I'm wondering, are you? No, I mean, I think we'll we'll lose this game as well. I mean, I, I was this has always been uh, in the last decade. I think we've only won once at the Etihad and it was in like 2013 or 2014 with Santi Cazorla. So yeah, but a draw been, is a win here. Yeah, a draw would be amazing. Even playing a close game, just getting back, just getting a Premier League goal. Like, if we can get on the score sheet against them and just maybe lose 3-1 three, nice. three, like we always do or 2-1 or something, you know, hold them to not too many goals and keep the game close, like, within a goal, that would be a big improvement and something that would, you know, give us confidence going forward into the next games because obviously Manchester City are in a whole nother level in Arsenal. Just like Chelsea were last week, you could tell during the game. Obviously Arsenal had a lot of players missing, you know, especially our, 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 our biggest star players. And that had a big effect on the team. Mainly, you know, Partey, Lacazette, and Aubameyang all not being there. But despite that, you know, we, we moved the ball much slower than Chelsea. Defensively, Chelsea were just better organized and it's going to take it's a lot of... that? No, and then and then systematic issues are still there. Well, then and and I was gonna say, and then and then from the start, like I just didn't agree with not setting up in a more defensive manner. You know, you guys went up, you guys scored two goals within the first thirty-five minutes, and if we had had a five at the back, um, you know, three at the back, but with with three center backs and wing backs, and if Saka had been given a much more defensive role than what he had against you guys, you know, Lukaku wouldn't have just been open, Reese James and Lukaku just open freely well, uh, on Tierney's Lukaku still would have been open, but they wouldn't have been able to have the easy switches to Reese James out on that, that yeah, right side Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Both of, both of those goals were incredibly easy and should not have been able to happen. Like Those were not goals that if we'd played in a more defensive mind, like he he, he started two center backs that you knew were going to get exposed. He ordered Tierney still to bomb up that wing. We're still like reliant on him doing that. And in order for him to do that, he has to have the extra defensive cover. But Saka was not covering. He was told to stay up further up the pitch and be a more offensive threat. Why? Because we you know we didn't have Laka, Lacazette and Abameyang. So and Saka took, becomes the, took the, the biggest out of threat. The game. Xhaka had to drop in to cover for Tierney and Saka when, when those two would go off to attack. And then you just had Sambi by himself in midfield against Jorginho and Kovacic. So, and honestly, and he did, he did a, 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 like an honorable, a very good job against. Yeah, no, what he no was one's coming for Sambi. I'm just, I'm just, you know, explaining how there's like that, that domino pitch. effect as the, that decision had. And it was such a basic decision that it, it feels like every person, every analyst on every outlet was able to identify that, like as it was happening, except for Mikel Arteta. And that's something I think you guys need to be far more worried about than any, you know, number of players with COVID or something I am. like I'm that. I am. I'm worried. I, I like think, that's just I think obviously, malpractice obviously, as a manager. Absolutely. I think 
the fact that even at halftime he didn't make changes, he didn't change the game, like it was 2-0. If we got a goal in the second half and we got the crowd going, who knows what could have happened in that game? We absolutely could have tied the game. But he never really made the changes. He just and I think a little bit is that is stubbornness, you know? That was something at least Unai Emery, when he would get something wrong, he would try to make some changes at halftime and he was he was okay at that. It doesn't seem well, like Mikel Arteta but that's has the that pep. knack or that's the pep influence because managers like pep and i noticed this with i really noticed this with sorry was whatever went wrong it wasn't their system itself it was how their players weren't doing it well enough so it's stubbornness yes you're right but you know for the the managers that get it right like more so pep i'll say then they're justified in that approach but arteta obviously hasn't proven himself to that degree yet and we've seen him be tactically outmatched multiple times of late uh, and yeah, I would be very, very concerned if I were you. So, I mean, going into this game, I've noticed a pattern with a lot of the Manchester City Arsenal games since Arteta took that Arsenal job. Obviously, as we mentioned, was Pep's assistant before you guys hired him. Other than that, uh, was it the FA Cup? Or, no, I think it was the Carabao Cup semifinal where they beat you 4-1 or something. They usually beat you guys like 1-2-0, or two nil, kind of like we did. And that's another layer of something that you should be concerned about is that and I'll talk more about Chelsea in a bit, but Chelsea didn't really have to get out of first gear to beat you guys 2-0. And I kind of disagree with you saying you guys could easily have, you know, drawn that game. I think we just kind of kept you guys. I just we mean if we'd just kept, gotten a We goal. were just keeping you guys at arm's length, like a big brother with a little brother. And you guys were just like swinging, like trying to get at us that like that's what the the interactions between our two teams were like and i think pep city are going to be kind of the same this weekend there's an international break coming up i, I think they got they, maybe it's three nil maybe they put another a big beat down on you but i feel like it's probably going to be and like pep has more res, too much respect for arteta and loves him too much that they're just going to do like a two maybe three nil if you guys make enough mistakes and walk out of there Ra- rather than put a beat down on you just sort of keep you at arm's length, not ex- expel too much energy, and beat you too. No, so yeah, I'm I mean, not saying I can't, you guys should I can't be willing to take with that. that they but generally, they ge- uh, we generally haven't given them a hard game in the past. I mean, it's been hard for us to. We're going to need Aubameyang to to show that seemingly return to form that he had today. I know that you say, you know, it was West Brom B team, and it was, but. In a professional game, just the feeling of getting goals again, of you know having a li- just a little bit of confidence in your boot, in your boots, can can make a world of difference. And his movement, especially after he scored his first goal, uh, looked looked like it was a little bit like the old Aubameyang. So I'm not going to well, say he's back. That's the blueprint. But that, that, that's yeah, your song. That's what we need. That's your that's player what we that need. can that's create what we something need. on the who, counter who with back. a little bit Absolutely. of space and shoot from what might seem like an unlikely distance or angle and he has the talent to pull it off so as he goes you go and that's not just going to be against manchester city that's obviously for the rest of this season right Uh, if we can get him back to to this season to a player who can score 20 to 25 goals in the premier league then uh, you know then maybe my my crazy thing at the beginning of the pod wasn't unreasonable but you know we need to we need to see see some i don't see it either but we need to see we need to see some continuance of that form and I think against Manchester City we'll see Aubameyang starting um, and Saka played fantastically as well we, we didn't even play Emile Smith-Rowe but Odegaard made a huge difference I mean I know that it was again against West Brom's B team but you could tell on on Saka's goal today that 
you know, we were missing that player who can pick up the ball from a center back, play a ball out to the wing back, then make a run in between the lines, you know, receive the ball in between the lines and then make yeah, a, a quick through ball. Yeah, play a quick through ball to one of the attackers. We just haven't had that player. I know Mill Smith Rowe plays like that, but he plays a little bit more with his back to goal. And he's a little bit more of a possession-based player. Odegaard's a quick, just one-touch, give-and-go type player. And I think it's just that type of player is going to change the way Arsenal looks going forward. Lacazette coming back, that, that's also going to be huge. He got, an, he got a goal as well today. So I don't think it's going to be matter really against Manchester City. I think they're just a whole nother level higher than us. So I'm going to say 3-1 City. I think Aubameyang scores. Uh, but I think they, they win fairly easily. But I'm not going to hit the panic button yet. I want us to. We have Norwich after that and Burnley. If we don't get, you know, relatively easy wins against those teams, yeah. I mean, I'm going to be screaming Arteta out, and I'm sure he'll be fired. So, I, I think he's on a on a on a little bit of. A, I don't think the City game is going to be make or break unless we lose like six nil or something, right? But uh, right. I, I, think, I think the going games after that are very break. important. Exactly. You would you would give him new manager some time and then some easy games when he when you first come back from that international break in Norwich and Burnley. So yeah, I'll say I'll say three nil Manchester City. But we didn't talk about it really from their side at all. They obviously got a five nil win against Norwich uh, last weekend, which I think we laughed about predicting, but only predicted three nil. So maybe I should predict five nil. I mean, you're nineteenth, they're twentieth. Ha ha ha, Alex. Yeah. Ha ha ha. <laughs> You're, you won 2 0 when we had half of our first team out. All right. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about Congratulations. it. Congratulations. We'll talk Alex. about how my opinion of that has changed over these last three days. It's been a journey, I'll tell you. Uh, yeah, so not much to add from Manchester City's side. Uh, let's say they've woken up 5 0 uh, against Norwich, and now they're playing you guys at home. They'll probably have another uh, solid win, I'll say. So they're back. They've awoken from whatever slumber yeah, we yeah. teased I, last they're, week. They're, they're back. I'm sure they're going to dispose of us easily, and they need to maintain the pace. I mean, I'm sure they're looking at Chelsea right now and Liverpool and thinking, we can't slip up against Arsenal. If we do, like, we could be six, seven points in the hole, you know? So they don't want that. <laughs> That's not a, It's not going to be – it might be a furious pace this season, so I'm sure they're going to be all, all at it um, on Saturday morning. So when it comes to the 10 a.m. games, there's two that really catch my eye. One of them is Aston Villa-Brentford. Two teams, uh, one of which Aston Villa sitting on three points after they got a home win against Newcastle last week, and then Brentford on four points. Uh, still haven't conceded a goal yet in the league. Uh, this is a first major away test for them. I mean, Crystal Palace is one thing last week with the nil-nil draw, but going, going up to Villa, I think it's going to be uh, a real... A real way to measure uh, how defensively solid they seemingly are and how well they've got that balanced. Because two games in, it still seems like they're a well-balanced championship side with that remind a couple me of the players. Year or, that, that Sheffield came up when they just you know finished in like seventh, I think that season, and almost got I don't Europa think they're, League. I don't think they're that good, but they're over. No, no I'm saying like, they remind me. They just remind me yeah. of the way that. They're super defensively solid. They still get a bunch of chances because of the style of, of play, especially like on set pieces. They seem to have a, a great set piece coach or someone that's coaching them because their their set piece organization and the stuff they do. You know, they're going to get a lot of goals this season. So um, they got long throw ins. They got crazy, complicated free kicks and corners and stuff. So I think we'll see some fun goals from them this season. 
Yeah, that would probably be my pick of the 10 a.m. games. Other ones are games like Brighton, Everton, Newcastle, Southampton, Norwich, Leicester. Uh, again, brutal start to the season for Norwich. Liverpool, City, Leicester. That's... Uh, I really feel for Norwich. We, we even said they might have a better chance this time, but it, it's hard to turn it around when you just get your ass handed to you by three very good teams right to start off the season. But I, so. but I do have to say Norwich are a little bit better than I thought. Um, I know that they had the the cruel own goal and then Grealish scored early on, so it kind of killed it for them. But they did they did get a good amount of chances against Man City. Um, and it makes you think like they're they're gonna get some some good results against teams this year. It's just they, they don't have their stuff together yet. They still have some important injuries like Cantwell, who needs to come back into the team. So I think once you get those players that come back, I, I do like Rashishka and some yeah, of the the, the midfield nice and, and defensive signings and that they've made. So. People people do need to remember that they did have it was only one, but that one home game against Manchester City two years ago, last time they were in the Premier League when they beat them 3-2 or something and went up 3-1 in the process, they have that capability. It's a good home atmosphere at Norwich. It's just whether they can put it together for a full 90 minutes. But we would all anticipate Leicester go there and uh, get a win after their loss at West Ham last week, which we'll, I'm sure, get to. Uh, I, think, West- I, think, I think it's worth mentioning Newcastle Southampton's probably a relegation six-pointer, so... Definitely look to see if they're one of those teams is like. I don't know if we can call anything a relegation six pointer in August. No, <laughs> but, but I'm saying it's a down potential the line, one. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're looking. No, but it, teams around that are going to be in and around the bottom half of the table, like these, both of these teams are going to be, are going to be looking at this type of game and thinking we need to beat our rivals. These are our type of rivals, you know. Yeah. So no, I get that. Uh, West Ham and Crystal Palace will have a London Derby Saturday at 10 a.m. West Ham are top of the league right now. They're top scorers in the league. Uh, Mikel Antonio is the leading goal scorer after two games. I know. I know that you say. I know that you say that Leicester had a red card, so that helped West Ham with that 4-1 win, and it definitely did. But West I Ham haven't were, said that yet. But. I would but you say are going that. To say that. Yes. Well, you said it to me that. over. You said it to me over text, uh, like when it was happening. But I mean, that's and just an undeniable fact. That's not. Yes, but West Ham were completely outplaying them before that, and had already been up one nil before the red card. So, like Leicester had been weren't in the game before. Like West Ham just completely outplayed them, in my opinion. And this was super impressive for me. This this really kind of puts on me the. I think West Ham are better than Everton. And he's brought this team to a level that are better than, yeah, David Moyes, than his Everton were back when he was getting, you know, sixth place around then. He made top four with Everton in 2006. Yeah, he did. People forget. And and this team is, I don't know, Ben Rama fit right into that Lingard role. I think he's probably better than Lingard. I mean, I know it's just the first two games, but he's looked amazing. Antonio, if he can stay fit, I think that's the key. Well, yeah, let's let's talk about him for a minute, because I don't think anyone would ever say Mikhail Antonio is is not a good player, but he does seem like he's kind of underrated and not really talked about to the level that people are probably going to start referring to him as now, now that he's with his two goals in this game, he's become West Ham's top Premier League goal scorer of all time, passing Paolo Di Canio. So he's going to get more recognition now. At a like a formerly big club like West Ham in London, he's a he's a good personality, great in interviews, and seems like a 
like good crack kind of guy. But we were we were talking about West Ham as like a club that you know hasn't really made that marquee signing yet that could really propel them into that top four discussion uh, for real because it was sort of a, a dream for a minute there at the end of last season. They haven't been able to nail down Jesse Lingard, and they're close to getting Kurt Zuma, but there might be some some hiccups. We were even talking about them as a destination for someone like Tammy Abraham to go to. Can they finish in top four and like improve off of last season? Because they did get European football. Can they finish in the Champions think, League spots with Mikhail Antonio as their striker? Because no, I, I still I don't, don't, I don't think so. I don't think they can, but I think they could if they focus on Europa and you know do do okay there. Maybe they can. Maybe they can do something. I, I don't think they can win the tournament, but you never know. I mean, Fulham got to the final. You know, like the, it's possible. It's definitely possible to 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 get to a, a final with a team. And I think a, a striker like Mikel Antonio could destroy Europa League. You know. Yeah, absolutely. That actually, that's kind of triggered the same sort of thinking I had for Leicester in the preseason discussion. That it seems less likely that even Leicester would push into the top four after all the moves those teams have made. Like I kind so that of give anyone West who's Ham in the Europa League chance. should just focus on your right. winning the Europa League. That seems like as a Premier League team, in terms of like wages and the cost of your your starting eleven relative to everyone else in that Europa League tournament, that seems like your best bet if you're a Premier League team if you want to get into the Champions League. So yeah, I kind of. Kind of like that idea for them. Plus, I can't remember the last time West Ham won a major trophy, and winning a Europa League would be <laughs> that would be amazing for them. They would they would be partying in the streets over that. So, uh, I mean, I haven't talked about the West Ham Crystal Palace game. We both probably will assume that West Ham are going to thump Crystal Palace, but it is worth mentioning that Patrick Vieira's side did get their first point of the season against Brentford in a, in a home already game. Already better, already better than Frank De Boer. Yes. Uh, already better than Arsenal. You guys should have hired him instead of Arteta, instead of keeping Arteta. All right, Alex, we didn't play these shit games to start the season, all right? You had Brentford. <laughs> you don't think yeah, Brentford Patrick Vieira's Arsenal could have, beaten Ars- uh, could have beaten Brentford in the first game? I think I they know. could. but Maybe they could have. Well, that's going to bring us to the, uh, the, the major primetime game of this weekend. Saturday, 12.30 p.m., hell of a Saturday, by the way. Chelsea are going to go up to Liverpool. Two teams that uh, won their opening games 3-0 and their follow-up games 2-0. N- neither of us have conceded yet. Uh, neither of us have any you know, major injuries. So we're both feeling good about ourselves and you know, posing some sort of title challenge to Manchester City. This is like a very early season fork in the road kind of moment where it's the first major big game back at Anfield, like a night game at Anfield against another top four slash uh, Premier League title rival. They've obviously got Virgil van Dijk back. He looks like he's been, uh, they're back to their old selves. What are you anticipating going into this game? Are you like, are you anticipating uh, an entertaining game at all? Or do you think it's just going to be like a KG one that Liverpool uh, kind of win and reassert their dominance? Because I still, God, th- I, I think we're coming I in have, as kind of underdogs here. I have no here. idea. I have no idea what to expect here, because Chelsea have their new shiny toy, Romelu Lukaku, and Liverpool what have their shiny? their god. They have their Virgil Van Dyke back. So the unstoppable kind of, force kind of, versus yeah, the immovable the object. Force versus the immovable object. I think I think Chelsea and Lukaku are a match made in heaven, especially after watching the Arsenal game. I mean, the way that he was able to. I know we didn't have our our first choice 
defenders either. Um, ben White didn't play in that game, and nor did Gabriel. So, of course, Lukaku is going to have a, an easy Wouldn't time bullying our, th- our third and fourth string center backs. W- would not have made a single but difference. But I want to see how he does against this Liverpool back line because it's, it's going to be a real test for him. If he can if he can go and score away at Anfield, then, I mean, the dude's going to score at almost every ground he's at this season. So this, for me, is a real measuring stick for him. I mean, they have Chelsea are going to have the... I think we, we, we've... We, the news hasn't broken officially yet, but the newly minted Europa UEFA Men's Player of the Year, Jorginho, and uh, you know Euro Player of they'll, the Year. They'll know it by the time this comes out, because I think it's yeah, announced like tomorrow afternoon. But yeah, that's I mean, good for him. I I he was a player who a couple of years ago I thought you know even you were were okay if he he had moved on from Chelsea like. I had given up for a minute there. Yeah, I had given given up up for a minute. There, a lot of people had, and he's a player who thought that who I thought was also done at Chelsea. I thought defensively he wouldn't be good enough, and he wasn't going to improve. But boy, Thomas Tuchel came and 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 turned him into something else. You know, I don't know. I don't know what he did or what he told him to do. Or obviously, we got to give credit to Jorginho too. But he's he's one. Not not to the same extent as Henderson, because I think Henderson was shit for a long time, but he's one who I never thought Henderson would reach the level that he achieved with Liverpool a couple of years ago. Um, you know, almost be, being in contention for PFA Player of the Year or something like that, I never thought Henderson could do. Same thing with Jorginho. Like, I think he's reached that level now where he can he can be the, the leader on in this squad, and he seems to be, you know, one of the first players on the team sheet like you expect him to be in this team and when he's not I think Chelsea lose a lot now so I think a lot of teams are going to have trouble shutting him down and what he does you know uh, I I think now the two managers have found a great way to use him I feel like Mancini saw what Tuchel was doing and was like hey can you just do that in my team like three managers three managers yeah Maurizio sorry had a has also found good good ways with him so you're right um I mean, and and uh, that's the sign of a great player. And yeah, I don't know I don't how know. this became I'm, about Jorginho. I was, I'm, I was, I'm, I'm here to talk about Romelu Lukaku versus Virgil Van Dyke. Like that's obviously the the headline because, here. Because 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 I think that's what's really going to be important is that midfield battle. I, I think that those two might negate each other. I think you know Van Dyke. I think will be able to deal with someone like Lukaku and Liverpool will have a game plan to deal with your attackers. I think it's going to be the midfield battle where possibly there could be a winner. I think this is going to be a KG game. I I could see this like being a nil nil or a one one. Like I could, but like nil nil is like probably where I'm, I think I'm going to say nil nil. Actually, I think like I think it could be super KG. Both so, teams getting chances, keepers making saves. You know, uh, and I also wanted to say about Liverpool. A lot of people have been like criticizing Liverpool this summer. Both of us included, saying, "Hey, hey, hey, you know, hey, 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 where hey, are their, let, where let's are their, get let's get one thing signings? straight, Javier. Let's get one thing straight." I said they would challenge for the title. I said it would be me, or me, Jesus Christ, it's gotten to a bad level. Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City, with Van Dyke back in the fold. You said they might drop you out of top Manchester four. You said Manchester United would be in the title race too. I Alex. said they'd be like the fourth and they'd fall off later in the season, but the three that would yeah, be pushing I, all the way for the title think, were Chelsea, City, and Liverpool. Right, and you, but, you were saying that Liverpool might be the team that drop out of top four because there's the Jurgen Klopp burnout. So. Yeah, and I still I still stand behind that. Obviously, the burnout's not going to happen at the beginning of the season. Um, but what I do want to say about them is, it, while they haven't made signings per se, uh, other than Kunde, they have re-signed Kanate. a bunch of uh, Kanate. I'm sorry, uh, Kunde is possibly going to be a Chelsea player soon. Hopefully not. 
but they have re-signed a lot of players recently. They re-signed Virgil van Dijk till 2025, Trent Alexander-Arnold to 2025, Fabinho to 2026, Robertson to 2026, and Allison to 2027. So that's pretty much the core of the team right there. Van Dijk, Trent, Fabinho, Robertson, Allison. Getting all those players, they've recently, I think Salah's the one big one they haven't re-signed, but apparently there's rumors that that's coming out soon. They re-signed Mane last year. Um, you know, almost everyone in that squad is tie tied down now long term. So I think even if Klopp does end up leaving, I still think that the base of this team and they've secured, you know, their future for this team for, for many years to come. You know, I think this team is going to be really good. And I think re-signing players like Van Dyke, Trent, Fabinho, Robertson, Allison, all of those players, to me, if if Liverpool had lost them, they would be losing a, a player that would be extremely hard to replace. So, the, to me, those are all great signings. Like, Liverpool just went and spent a lot of money. They probably increased all of their wages, and I'm sure they got signing bonuses and everything. But those are five great signings that Liverpool made this summer that people aren't talking about enough. Okay, well, uh, bringing it back to this weekend specifically, I felt a different way about that Chelsea performance on Sunday as this week has gone on. On Sunday against Arsenal, I was a little frustrated because, uh, like I mentioned earlier, where it felt like we never really got out of first gear, I was I was sitting there like, put them to the sword. Let, let's start to you know build off of this, build some more confidence, score more goals, take more risks going forward. This Arsenal team is there begging to be taken, basically. And you can lay down an early marker in the lead in the league of the, this is what we're, you're going to expect from this Chelsea team. But as the week has gone on and I've started like thinking about like, what does that mean in terms of this weekend against Liverpool? I've kind of like come to the conclusion that if we purposefully were you know, trying to win that Arsenal game. But once we were 2-0 up at halftime, we could kind of just sort of, you know, keep possession and control the game and not really let you guys get back into it too much and conserve energy that way. What is possible if we're, you know, full tilt going for it against Liverpool? Yes, it's at Anfield. That's a very tough place to win. And we only really won there last year because they were missing a bunch of players and it was empty. Plenty of other teams worse than us beat Liverpool at Anfield last season. But this time around, like just seeing how dominant and how much of a problem Romelu Lukaku posed to Arsenal, admittedly a not so great Arsenal team, you could see the problems yeah, that he, he was posed not only and for Rob them. Holding yeah, let and me let me finish what I'm talking about. I just mentioned that, that, that they weren't Come good. On, dude. I'm saying the problems that he posed to you guys were something that affected everyone else around the pitch. You guys were looking to sort of cut off the supply line to Mason Mount and Kai Havertz as a way of, you know, limiting Lukaku so that they, they couldn't then link up with him. Instead, the center backs and midfielders, Jorginho and Kovacic, were playing, and Golo Kante wasn't even in the team. Those players were just able to keep possession amongst themselves, the sort of unit of five back there, while the wing backs pushed on. They could sort of alleviate any sort of pressure and then make a direct pass up to Lukaku, who could hold the ball up easily and then distribute either back to them or off to one of the wingbacks or to Mason, Mount, or Kai Havertz. So now if you instead reverse things and you think, all right, let's focus our attention limiting the service directly into Lukaku so he can't do that. Then that opens up Kai Havertz and Mason Mount to drift wherever the remaining space is, or you can have it out to Chilwell or Alonso on the left or Reese James on the right. And those players are going to be in acres in space. It's basically become a game of pick your poison. And that was off of four days preparation. 
Lukaku's first day training yeah, with I the mean, team I was think, Tuesday. I think I think if if you guys start Alonso and James as wingbacks, I think Liverpool will score. I mean, I don't really I don't really care if they score. Like they probably will score. It's and a game of Enfield. You guys will probably score as well. So if that if that if that's what happens, then I could see it. You know, like a one-one, even a two-two. Like a more fun if it's a more fun open end-to-end game, but I think it's going to be KG. I think both teams are gonna not want to lose this game to give either team an, an edge in what I'm sure both teams think of themselves as title contenders. So I'd be interested to see Chilwell come back in. I'm not sure when is the right time for Chilwell to come back in because it's not like he's tired or injured and hasn't played yet. It's just that. Alonso has he, been so it, good. It was and interesting. Tuchel, Tuchel played uh, three at the back against uh, Arsenal. I didn't. I didn't really expect Tuchel to do that. I, I mean, I, I, maybe what? it was because Angola was was fit. He played. He plays three at the back against everyone. For us, every game he plays three at the back. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. I thought I mean, he played. I played. I thought he played three in midfield sometimes. Yeah, yeah, but if he plays three in midfield, he'll play two up top. He doesn't take away from the back three, and ah, he okay. rarely plays a back okay. four. I've only seen it for like a half against Barnsley in the FA Cup last year. So it's always three at the back with, you know, two very high attacking wing backs. Uh, and it's up to those five players at the back, the two midfielders and the three center backs to sort of, you know, alleviate that pressure. And that's going to be key against Liverpool. I think we have the players to do it this time while really harassing them with our press because N'Golo will be back fit starting for this one, I'm assuming. I think we go and pull it off. I think we win 2-1. I think it's very cagey, like you said, but I think we compose them so many problems that Virgil van Dijk alone, I don't think, can handle. It's Andy Robertson's first game back from injury. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, on that other wing. Mason Mount had him already. I don't really... I, don't, I, I fear Anfield more than I fear this Liverpool team. And I may, I may, uh, I may have to eat my words next week. It's Liverpool at Anfield in a big game with fans there for the first time in forever. I'm sure there will be a great atmosphere that will push them on. But I think Tuchel has got a, a good also, run Sa- going. Salah, Salah, Mane, and Firmino already off, off and running this season. You don't yeah, think? But don't you think Jota will start? Jota as well. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I fear, I fear Jota much more than I fear Firmino. Firmino's a good player, but that front three of Jota's playing, that's... So, but like all four of them have scored to start the season. You don't think that that's, you know, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to be coming at you guys. And okay, and we've, and kept, we've kept and two Jota clean sheets and, Asp- and Aspilicueta and Christensen and Rudiger have looked just as dominant as they did last year. So I'm, I'm willing to back our guys. You saw Christensen last weekend. Not that you guys are any good. I have to leave that disclaimer again. He's just he's just been utterly dominant since January when Tuchel came in. All right. I encourage all of you be, to you watch Christensen for an entire and beat game. Liverpool at Anfield right now, then I will I will start becoming a believer of the Chelsea title title contenders. I mean, you already were a believer. Yeah. You I, said you, you've yeah, agreed with me before that we are yeah, a believer. Yeah, okay. And you know what? Even if we don't win, I'll still be full on the the title winning train. We don't need to win. It's the third game of the season. We've got two wins already. We're still a pretty good team. But you know, I it would be a really great early marker to lay down if we went there and just beat them right now. It would be amazing. So you're saying one one? Yeah, I'll say one one. Okay, I'll stick with two one Chelsea. Uh, let's move on real quick. Actually, don't need to talk about this one, but Sunday, 9 a.m., there's two games going and, and on. I'll, I'll say a 1-1 result would be good for Chelsea. Yeah, it would. I would take that. Snatch your hand off for that right now. 
Um, but those two games at 9 a.m. on Sunday are going to be Burnley hosting Leeds and Tottenham hosting Watford. Uh, big announcement for Tottenham. Uh, Harry Kane earlier today tweeted out that he's basically staying at Tottenham. He won't be moving this summer. He came on for uh, the last so 20 he, minutes of that Wolves game over the weekend. He basically announced that he was being courted by Manchester City that whole time and that he's going to leave next year. And that he's going to do his best this season. Was that in the announcement? No, but that's basically what he was saying. Okay, well, don't put words in his mouth. Like, <laughs> I read the tweet. Everyone shared it. Like... He basically was saying, like, after the great like support I got from the Tottenham fans when I came oh, on last week, I decided to stay. To save like, face, All right, man. Alex, that was just yeah, no, he's I, just I, saving I, face. That's what I'm saying too. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, all right, man. Yeah, basically, that's why City, I said he basically City weren't willing said, to pony up the cash for. He basically said, well, City didn't pay enough for me, so I'll stay for another year and try to leave again next year because we're going to see the same exact shit happen next year. So he's not going to sign a new contract, that's for sure. Well, yeah, he's got three years left on the current one, so. No need for that. He'll be 31 when that contract ends. But this Tottenham-Watford game, any chance they slip up here? I know Watford just had a disappointing trip to Brighton over last weekend, but... I, I don't think so. I think this is the type of game that Nuno's, Nuno's got this Tottenham team playing like well, and Mourinho had them playing on good form. And I think back-to-back wins, they've got confidence coming in from preseason as well. They're going to be at home with their fans. Yeah, I, I kind of see this being like 3-1 Watford. They're going to have Harry Kane back starting. Or, sorry, 3-1 Tottenham. Maybe even 3-0. I was about to say, I was thinking, wait, 3-1 Watford. Okay, I think Watford do it. I was going to say 2-2. They, uh, I think they had Emmanuel Dennis out last week, but he's back for this week. Uh, scored uh, their opening goal of the first weekend of the season uh, with him. Smile Sar, I know that their back line isn't amazing. Tottenham will score, but that's why I think it's going to be 2 2, because I think Tottenham still have in an open game, there's still spaces and chances to be had. I also, I just also like just that Adama Hoiberg tra- is, chance. Yeah, I also just think Hoiberg is like what, like he's on great form right now, carrying on from the Euros um, when he was playing for Denmark. And I don't know if they have anyone in the midfield to, that can stop what he's doing right now. You know, he's making late runs in the box. He's making through balls, tackling everywhere. I mean, the guy's a monster right now. And Nuno's putting a lot of faith in him. And, I mean, if there's if there's a team that could... I started thinking about this a little bit more. And if, the, if there's a team that Nuno could have taken over that was set up to play in the system that he likes to play, that he got back-to-back... I think he got sixth, and then he got seventh with Wolves um, in their first two seasons up. If he can play that, you know, that back three with Doherty at wing back and he, Regulon, he's not playing it though. He's that's not the I know. system. He's playing. I know four he doesn't have that right Tanganga. now. He, I know he's not doing that right now. But I think if he eventually gets his team to play that, I think they could get to another level. And I don't think it's going to matter in this Watford game. I think he's going to play his back four, and I think they're going to win. But I think that they're going to get exposed later on in the season doing that. Okay. But yeah, I What's think the, I think Tottenham, the score for that. I said I said three one. Three one. Okay, I'll I'll stick with two two. The aforementioned Wolves, who uh, two weeks in a row out possessed their opponents, out shot their opponents, but lost one nil anyway. They'll be hosting Manchester United this weekend, Sunday at eleven thirty a.m. I think it's kind of a tricky one for Manchester United. Obviously, we'll. we'll I agree. We'll I was. This was going to be my. Uh, this was going to be my upset for the weekend, actually, Alex. I oh, think yeah. Wolves Talk do it. To me. I think Wolves do it. I'm, I'm a Wolves believer. I after the first two games, 
I didn't know anything about Bruno Lage, and like you said, they lost 1-0, but they played really well in both of those games. Um, they didn't have Pedro Neto, they didn't have Podence. Uh, I think Podence is back now. He scored, I think, uh, yesterday or today, whenever they played their, their Carling Cup game, or EFL Cup game. Yeah, uh, Podence is back, but Neto, Johnny, the left wing back, and uh, Willie Bolly are all still out. So, uh, I mean, they, they still have some they're, injuries. They're, but. Yeah, they're, they're that winger Trincao that they picked up this summer, he, he hasn't looked bad in these last couple games. He got his first goal, uh, I a, think, today. A lot of Premier League Cup, teams had a good confidence booster this week, this midweek in the Carabao Cup. A lot of yeah, them got absolutely. to put like five absolutely. or six goals past shit teams and get their and, accounts open for the year. And and I think that like for this Wolves side, they're going to be in front of their Hoves fan. They always give United a hard game. I don't know. I I, I kind of think they could get a a, a win or, or 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 definitely a draw in this game. My my only gripe with them is that when you watch them, it feels like they're asking too much of Jimenez. Like Jimenez is having to drop way too deep and drift wide to go run after balls on the counter attack. And he's definitely at his best when he's allowed to be, yes, a link-up player, but someone much more centrally focused who, when he's getting on the ball, well, it's why, in and around the area. That's why having someone like Podence back in the team, I think, is going to improve the, the, the team, you and, know, because he and, can carry the ball. He's a tricky player. And they can't, like, Adama Traore can't keep missing these 1v1 chances. It's happened two weeks in a row against Leicester and then against Tottenham. It's It's unforgivable of really any Premier League forward to have chances to, you know, get their team results two weeks in a row and continue to miss. Good chances. Identically good chances. So uh, one of those two, or Podence, like you said, uh, Jimenez or Traore, needs to get their shit together and start putting the ball in the back of the net because otherwise all this possession, they had 58% possession against Tottenham, 25 shots to Spurs 8 They've had 42 shots in the first two games combined. No goals scored. That's Bruno Lage. I know you're an attacking manager, but at some point, all that attacking has to yield some results. So uh, facing a Manchester United team that just came off a very disappointing result, a 1-1 away at Southampton, uh, they should you know favor themselves to get a, a result here. But at the same time, they need to be very wary of Manchester United's f- threat because... I also don't want United to break Arsenal's... Uh, One of the few records you have left, unbeaten record. Yeah, they're they're tied with us right now. So I, I don't want them to win this game or even draw it. So I'm gonna say Wolves two one. They got it. Let's go Wolves. Don't let them break our record. Do you think also, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will ever learn the lesson of uh, Nemanja Matic in midfield? Do you think he ever will? Because he started him in a Premier League game away at Southampton, and didn't end well. I just I don't see I have a a page of notes here on Manchester United and the name that I keep coming back to is Donny Vanderbeek like you have a player that plenty of clubs were coveting two seasons ago after he'd had a great Champions League run scored the goal against Juventus and multiple other goals in the Champions League during that run to the semifinal for Ajax they have a player that can theoretically solve so many of their issues in build-up because I mean you have to face it. Last week against Southampton, Southampton, I still don't think are a very good side, and they didn't. But they press, looked decent. Like, they, they looked pretty I didn't, decent I didn't against think they United. They pressed that well. Manchester United were they? They were like you guys. They were like Arsenal, and that there was no sort of emphasis on you know upping the tempo at the right time to create chances. It was all very slow and monotonous and 
all, like borderline boring. And it's those kinds of games that I worry about Manchester United in. So uh, if, if, if you still see Matic in the lineup, then I'll be right with you and Wolves pulling off a result here. But I mean, even if they make an adjustment and have McTominay, Fred and, and Bruno in midfield with Pogba still playing out on that left wing, then I think they can, they, they can get the win. But I'll probably say like 2-2. I like a high-scoring one here, two-two. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like, I don't dislike a draw either here. Um, but yeah, yeah I think you do. Wolves, you, you want your, you want your record to stay. You want to keep tied with Manchester United for the best away uh, unbeaten run of all time. All right, let, let's wrap it up there. We've gone long enough. Javier, thanks for that beating we guys, uh, we gave you guys over the weekend. I thoroughly enjoyed it. After we didn't really even need to break a sweat. Uh, I, I hope for the best, and you guys don't get too embarrassed this weekend against Manchester City. But uh, watch us win. Then I'm gonna come <laughs> roaring back, baby. I, I'm counting on it. I would love that. That would be fun. It would, it would also help us win a title, Javier. So yes, please go and win. Go and beat Manchester City this year. Yeah, you should uh, have been more encouraging earlier, Alex. You piece of shit. Yeah, all Instead the encouragement in the down. world. I don't think would help you guys. But thank you guys for listening to the podcast. You can follow us on social media at asmoss92 for my Twitter and Instagram at javierev9 for Javier's Twitter. At Ghost Goal Pod for the podcast socials. Enjoy the Premier League games again this weekend, and until next time, see ya.